Michael Kagan, Portfolio Manager for ClearBridge Investments. Co-manager of the ClearBridge Appreciation Fund is here, and we're talking stocks now in the Money Life Market Call. Welcome to the Market Call, everybody, the part of the show where we talk with experienced money managers about how they do their job, what they look for in their investments, and what they see happening in the market now, and how they put it all together into their buys and sells. My guest today is Michael Kagan. He is co-manager of ClearBridge's Appreciation Strategy. So that's the ClearBridge Appreciation Fund, Appreciation ESG portfolios as well. If you want to learn more, clearbridge.com is the website. Mike Kagan, thanks for joining me again on Money Life. Chuck, thank you so much for having me. We always start with methodology, and it's really important when I say that you run an appreciation strategy because, well, it's hard enough to define value. Appreciation is something that I don't know that everybody has a definition. I think they have a picture in their mind, but it might not be what you do. So let's start there. What does appreciation mean to you and how does it play out in the portfolios? The appreciation portfolio focuses on large cap, high quality companies, um, the types of companies you would say, uh, Warren Buffett would say, have a moat around them. So they often are household names. They're companies with great defensible business models, high margins, strong balance sheets. And the goal of the portfolio is to outperform the market over the cycle, but to do it with about 20% less risk than the market. How much harder has that mission been made by the times that we live in? I mean, you've got a company with a great moat. That's wonderful. But right now, moat isn't really the business issue that most companies are facing. Well, the first quarter was kind of what we're designed for. That said, we probably didn't perform as well as we would have hoped because this was a different type of downturn than we were prepared for. And so there's some companies that we own in the portfolio and continue to love that historically have been very defensive in downturns, let's say Walt Disney, uh, that because of the nature of this downturn where their theme parks are shut and there's no sports, uh, were hurt. That said, we did fine in the first quarter. Now, the second quarter, when the market's absolutely roaring, that's a tougher environment for us. We're a bit on the conservative side, and we're going to tend to lag and not market like that. But lagging doesn't bother you because you understand that markets move in cycles. So lagging now, okay, understandable. How does that wind up playing out? Because this cycle is very unusual. I mean, the economy and the stock market are incredibly disconnected right now. And the business cycle, I think, in some things was accelerated. Certainly, certain developments and and the evolution of certain products and technologies has been accelerated. But in other cases, obviously, growth has been stunted. So what does that leave you looking at going forward? So the challenge that we have in this market right now is that it's become a very concentrated market. And in particular, companies that have benefited from COVID and especially those big cap tech companies um, with such defensible business models are really, really expensive. And so the way to make money in this market, at least going forward here, is to be careful about that very concentrated market in, in, in those really expensive names like the Apples and the Amazons, and instead to go and find names that are going to do well that maybe the market has missed. But the market right now seems to be very focused not only on a couple of names, but a couple of industries. If you're finding those businesses, 
how much do you have to look where there's blood running in the streets? Well, that's interesting. There are definitely some areas where blood is running in the streets, which we're starting to kind of look at and maybe just kind of poke a stick at to see whether maybe we want to invest. So, for example, the material sector has not really rallied very much, and maybe there's some materials names out there um, that are going to be interesting, especially because it looks like China's going to start to come back, and materials, most of all, are a play on China. So that's an area we haven't, we've just started investing in. But then let me give a couple examples. So one area that's done very, very well um, in the last year or two has been 5G and all the various different 5G plays. And so that would be the cell tower companies, it would be Apple Computer, but there's a company out there that looks to us like fantastic play, and that's T-Mobile. So T-Mobile bought Sprint, and we think that that is an amazing acquisition. So they now have the best Spectrum, and Spectrum is a constraint for all of the other mobile companies like uh, AT&T and Verizon. They have the low-cost network, so they're going to gain market share, and they got tons of costs that are going to come out as they integrate Sprint, which was not that well-managed a company. And so what you have here is a company where cash flow is going to absolutely explode over the next three years, and they're the best position player in the market. So companies like that where there's a theme here and there's some names that people have missed. And what makes you sell? What are you moving away from in these market conditions? Well, I mentioned that this market is very concentrated. So, for example, in the second quarter, a quarter of the return of the entire stock market came from three stocks, and 40% of the return of the market came from 10 stocks. So we are gingerly beginning to sell some of those names. And is it just valuation that has you sell it? It's simply a matter of, let's take a little bit of profit and, and do it from a valuation standpoint? Because again, if you're looking at wide moat businesses... They meet your criteria. The moat hasn't necessarily changed. The underlying investment hasn't necessarily changed. It's just a value proposition. Well, valuation is always a factor in risk. And concentration in the market is always a factor in risk. So, for example, the last time the market was this concentrated was in the first quarter of 2000. So you have to be careful. So, yes, absolutely, some of the companies like Amazon and Costco have proven that their business models are tremendous successes in this. And I'm not saying you necessarily want to sell every one of them, but you got to look at what are the gross prospects, what are the opportunities, and how much are you really paying for it. And I should point out for anybody who doesn't immediately recognize history, the internet bubble burst at the end of the first quarter of 2000, the last time the market was this concentrated. So you don't necessarily expect that we're going to have that kind of trouble do you? No, but I think that the valuations that you see reflected in those really big cap tech companies is telling you that they're going to be challenged to be good stocks over, say, a two, three, four year period. They're just too expensive. They're discounting too much. So again, that brings us back to what we sometimes on the show call good company, bad stock. There, there you have it. It's good companies, but they're not good stocks at this point. And I think also that partly their valuations and their performance is reflecting the fact that the market is scared. It doesn't know how COVID is going to play out. And so it's betting on those names that are producing great results right now. When the economy begins to improve and we get more visibility out there, these stocks are going to be sources of funds. That's interesting. I mean, that makes it sound almost like... Uh... 
like this is people are investing the way they hoarded toilet paper, right? It was zero risk bias. I, I can't really do anything to change it. I want to feel like I'm in control. So I do something that makes me feel that way. Even if it's not that meaningful, people effectively have been hoarding the biggest names that has pushed the price up. And once that ends, that's where the cash flow is going to be. Is that the wrong analogy to use? Uh, I think it's fair. But that said, so people hoarded toilet paper, but they're still going to be buying groceries. And so I'm not negative on the market right now. The market is expensive, and most stocks are very expensive. I more just think that the opportunities in the market are elsewhere. So we talked a little bit about T-Mobile. What's something else that stands out to you right now? So some of the payment processors, like the PayPals, have been absolute monsters. But some of the companies like, say, Fidelity National, while they're up a little bit on the year, haven't really participated. And they have a great business, and they're a big beneficiary of this shift in retail to online. I think there's an opportunity there. Fidelity National, ticker symbol FIS. Anything else stand out to you right now? Well, let me give you something on the sell side. So one thing that is very clear is that interest rates are going to be close to zero for a really long period of time. And so you need to be careful about companies whose business models depend upon rates being higher. So, for example, banks, which make their money off of net interest margins, so the spread in rates, really have depressed earnings and probably are going to have depressed earnings for an extended period of time. Also, if they're credit issues, that's going to press pressure earnings in the near term. And then life insurance companies also require returns on their portfolios. And if they don't get it, then they've got real issues. And so there are definitely some sectors here that have secular issues that have been brought on by COVID and the feds and, and the government's response to it. And it's not going away. Well, now we're going to find out how you feel about some stocks my audience is particularly interested in. Wait, hold it. You got to or fold it. It's hold it or fold it time with Michael Kagan, portfolio manager at Clearbridge Investments, co-manager of the Clearbridge Appreciation Fund and the Clearbridge Appreciation ESG portfolios. Learn more at clearbridge.com. Hold it or fold it is where we put our guest to your test. And if you want to test our guest yourself, send your name, your hometown, and the ticker symbols you're interested in to Chuck at MoneyLifeShow.com. We're going to start with a request we got from Tony in Henderson, Nevada. He wants to know about Sempra Energy. That's SRE. Sempra Energy, I love it. It's a buy. I love the management team. I love the portfolio transformation they're doing. It is a cheap, safe stock with a 3.5% dividend yield. Absolutely a buy. I want all the power you can give me. So, Sempra Energy, ticker symbol SRE, that was a buy. Gordon in Downey, California, wants to know about TJX companies. Ticker is its initials, TJX. TJX is another one of those companies that I just love. It just has an awesome business model. One of the things that's amazing to me is that even though they only reopened some of their stores, it looks like they may actually have up comp store sales this year over, over last year, which is just amazing. Wow. And there was just an article in the Wall Street Journal today talking about how the struggle that the off-price retailers are having uh, is that the sales are so good that they're struggling to keep inventory uh, on the, on the uh, shelves. Um, TGX has an amazing balance sheet, so if COVID is worse for longer, they're still going to be here. And when we come out of this, their business is going to roar. I love it. Well, and it's interesting because that's one of those cases where I've been wondering how were the off-price retailers going to 
make it in terms of there literally has been a lost season of selling, right? Anything that was, you know, springtime sales for the summer, who would have gone from the full price stores to the, you know, and, and would just be reaching it. And that entire season was lost. So is the idea that they're going to basically cram an extra season in, like it's discounted. So people will buy it and save it for next year. And we're, we're not going to care that we're sort of out of the time space continuum, the normal order of things. I think, well, first I'll, they get their merchandise from other merchants who are struggling to sell things or are going bankrupt. And there are a ton of retail bankrupt, bankruptcies right now. So there's a great availability of merchandise for TJX to go and put through their stores. So will they have lost earnings in terms of will 2020 be a lost year? That's possible. That said, the, it's clear that there is a great desire out there for that treasure chest opportunity. People, there is a certain set of people out there who absolutely love to shop, and TJX offers that opportunity. I know a few of those people, and their mantra? Bye, bye, bye. Yeah, bye, 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 and TJX, ticker TJX, was a buy. Mike in Ontario, Canada, and Richard in Chula Vista, California, both wanted to know about Pinterest, ticker symbol PINs. So the social media companies have been some of the great performers this year, and Pinterest is one where, well, they IPO'd a year ago, and the stock is actually down slightly from that IPO. And they're down, even though this is a company that has beaten expectations three out of four quarters. They, because of the nature of their business, they do not have the same type of pressures from the government that you're seeing at the Facebooks and the Twitters in terms of having to go into monitor the uh, posts for hate speech and lies and whatnot. So we think that this company is absolutely awesome. It has a tremendous opportunity to increase the amount of money that it receives for ads. And it's a social media company that's really dominant when it does. I think this is a big winner long term. Oh, yeah, beautiful. We could make a fortune. That's a buy on Pinterest, ticker symbol P-I-N-S. Dave in Beaver Dams, New York, wants to know about General Electric, GE. Uh, I'm afraid that GE is a sell. I love Larry Kelp, the CEO. He, he's Not only is he a great CEO, he's probably the best industrial CEO who's out there. But unfortunately, he doesn't have anything to work with here. In particular, because interest rates are going to be so low for so long, GE is tremendously challenged. So it's not just the uh, pressures that you're seeing in the aircraft's engine business right now. It's that they have a big underfunded pension, and they need high interest rates in order to return a yield on that. And so it's going to sap their cash flow for years. They also have residual life insurance uh, liabilities from their spin out of their life insurance business. And again, life insurance counts on having high returns and GE is on the hook for those. And so I'm afraid, look, the stock, it's not a zero because Larry Will has done the things that are going to make it a viable company, but neither is it going to go up much. Oh boy, that sounded bad. Yet it definitely sounds bad for GE General Electric. And last, for Mike in Redwood City, California, two requests, both of them in the home building space, NVR Incorporated and Lennar Corp, ticker symbols NVR and LEN. I am a fan of the housing cycle right now. We barely had a housing cycle last time, last decade. Historically, you have to meet uh, average demand, which is population growth plus immigration, with housing sales, and we only got to that in one year out of the entire last decade. So there is a pent-up demand in housing that's out there, 
And now with COVID, people are starting to move out of the cities and into the suburbs. To me, the whole home building industry is interesting. Uh, any one of the high-quality builders, uh, NVR and R, two of them, um, definite buys. I think even better is probably Toll, just because uh, they sell higher-end homes. Their customers are in strong shape. So if COVID is tough, their buyers are still going to be able to buy, and it's also a little bit below book value. So a bonus request in there. What we learned, of course, was there's no place like home. that there's no place like home, and that made Lenar, L-E-N, and N-V-R, but also Toll Brothers, T-O-L, all buys. And speaking of goodbyes, it's come time for us to say our goodbyes to Mike Kagan. But, Mike, it's great to chat with you. Thanks for taking the time out. I look forward to doing it with you again down the line. Chuck, thank you. It's been a pleasure. That's Michael Kagan, everybody, Portfolio Manager at ClearBridge Investments. ClearBridge.com is where you go to learn more about the firm and the funds. He is co-manager of ClearBridge Appreciation and the ClearBridge Appreciation ESG Portfolio. We'll be back to wrap up today's show right after this message.